the return of musical chats with Dan, <laughs> or Danny, depending on what you want to call me. Anyway, yeah, I'm once again uh, doing a remote recording here. Pretty much everything I do is remote. But yeah, I'm doing it from my little coffee shop in the, in the nook, away from everybody, uh, by my solitary self. It's a really cool little place, really prone to uh, social distancing. It's my second time doing it here. It's a little place called Breca on Demon Street in, the, in Vancouver's West End. And I got my coffee and just going to sit here and uh, ramble on a little bit again for you guys. I have to pardon the background noise. It's some, they play old rock and roll in here, which I really like, and rhythm and blues. Pop music from my era, being the old fart that I am. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's a very relaxing kind of environment for me. And so anyway, I hope it isn't too obtrusive if you hear it, people chattering and machines going off. But I'm going to get right down to it here and talk a little bit about um, what's going on for me right now and sort of in general what I'm seeing happening around me, which I kind of do. Well, personally, I've been... Uh, continuing to uh, be involved in a recording project with my old friend Dana Honey. When I say recording project, it's really, it's not focused like, you know, a usual project where you're trying to get it out to the world and it's original and all that. What we're doing is he lives in Kamloops, I live in Vancouver, and actually it's a third party involved, uh, actually four, totally, um, Randy Otto, um, who's the keyboard player in our first band, as Dana was the bass player, uh, as well as Randy's son, Axel, 15-year-old Axel, is contributing some bass to our, some of our recordings. And what we're doing is we're re revisiting um, great tunes from our, our youth, like, you know, back in the 60s. And it's been really interesting. We've done tunes by the Dave Clark Five, The Left Bank, uh, Chad and Jeremy, you know, it's really interesting. We're going to be doing a lot of different tunes. We've done a couple that we're going to actually reapproach. A couple of uh, Bee Gees tunes, To Love Somebody in Words. I think we're going to do those. But we're looking at all the tunes, looking at Beatle tunes. Really good, melodic, great songs. And just putting ourselves into it. And uh, it's been really cool for me. That was cool for all of us, actually. But to work with Dana, particularly, because he's such a brilliant brilliant musician and uh, singer and he's been doing a solo for so long prior to COVID on the ships <coughs> and otherwise and he's really adept at recording because he's recorded all of his background tracks himself you know keyboard strings you know he plays guitar and keyboard himself and he's quite good at it as well as being a really good singer so and he's a great guy to match up with for me and, and I think, you know, for Randy, of course, and Axel's a newbie. But I'm really enjoying it because I'm actually doing stuff that I normally do in quite some time. Two things. Uh, playing acoustic guitar. Uh, some electric guitar so far, but I've, in the last tune, uh, last couple of tunes, I've played acoustic guitar. Walk Away Renee by The Left Bank and uh, a summer song by Chad and Jeremy. And, it's, and also on a summer song, I actually sang, uh, which was something I haven't done in a studio. Or <laughs> This isn't really a studio. Actually, I'll t explain our, our circumstances a little bit later. But it's a very controlled atmosphere, and it's, you know, it's demanding 
and in that you know I've been out of it for quite a while actually as far as singing goes um, with the passing of Bob White over three years ago now three and a half years ago it is um, all the harmony kind of part of my life singing harmony uh, vocals ceased so you know and I've sung since but just lead and some harmonies with um, actually it's not entirely true sang some harmonies with Jack Lavin and Al Foreman and uh, John Nolan in our little escapade we did for about oh, I don't know how long it was I guess about a year doing rhythm and blues though uh, but some nice nice harmonies but I guess my point is is that it, it very much um, the discipline of doing that is something that I'm embracing and I'm learning from Dana too I'm, I'm having to sing into my cell phone because I don't have <laughs> the gear and record my acoustic guitar through the cell phone but the way the technology is now I just send him off an mp3 and he plays with it and it works out now this is not ideal and uh, you know singing harmony um, and holding onto his cell phone is a little odd but strangely enough I'm pulling it off and uh, we're going to be sharing this stuff on on Facebook you'll be seeing it on my Facebook eventually and uh, yeah so that's been kind of a cool thing I'm actually looking at um, getting recording facility at my place on a very on a budget of course but um, I've got some stuff already and just putting it together I need a new laptop I need a more powerful laptop because my old laptop is just like, you know, <laughs> it's an old laptop and it doesn't have the capacity to handle the software that's required for the recording. But I got a mic and I got like a digital in and out, and, you know, all that, you know, cables, <laughs> headphones, good headphones. So, yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. But it, it brings to mind just the whole idea that, you know, so many of my friends who are musicians finding an outlet, a way to actually stay engaged on some level, you know, in these times of COVID, you know, how do you, how do you keep your, uh, not just your chops, but your brain going, because that's what we do, you know, musicians, I'm, I'm pretty much retired, frankly, but I still love music, and I love to play the guitar, um, played the guitar more in the last year, or whatever it is, since COVID, less than a year, than I have in a long time because I've just been concentrating on it at home, not having the outlet though uh, of actually playing live or with other people. You know, it's it's, it's frustrating. Uh, I wish it could be otherwise, but it's not for me anyway. There are people doing it. You know, um, they're finding ways of doing it. You know, um, mostly they're younger people that are you know more involved in an ongoing career, whereas I'm not really. I'm just, uh, you know, I've done a lot, but <laughs> I'm not doing a whole lot. Haven't been doing a whole lot in terms of going after anything outside of gigging for many years. But now that the gigging is gone, oh no, they got Elvis come here. Can you hear Elvis? Anyway, um, I think they just cranked the volume on Elvis. Uh, anyway, getting back to what I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted by the king. Um, uh, you know, I'm in a different place in my life than a lot of people. And, well, I'm, in, I'm actually in a different place, in the same place as a lot of my friends who are, you know, getting on. Dana's like that, although Dana was quite active doing the uh, 
the ships uh, as a solo up until COVID. So it's quite a shock for him. Um, Randy has another life. You know, he's 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 retired essentially, and uh, of course Axel's just a young kid. Um, so we're all kind of in different places around this whole thing, but I'm I'm enjoying the camaraderie of the recording, getting things together with my old buddies, and uh, I think we're doing okay actually. It's you know music is it's a wonderful thing. So I'm going to cut this one short because the the king is getting a little bit loud. But I just want to encourage you guys out there, whatever situation you're in, find ways of, um, you know, enjoying yourselves in a safe way. Uh, this winter is coming on, you know, it's, it's serious times. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, we're going to have to behave differently more than ever around COVID this, this winter. The numbers are skyrocketing. Um, it concerns me as an older guy, but should concern everybody because unlike what was initially kind of put out there it was just for old people this COVID thing we're going to die and, and it's not like that anymore they're finding out otherwise so please whoever you are whatever your age be safe and uh, be aware you know because without that you know you're at high risk well you're at high risk anyway it's just you just don't want to happen to become a statistic I got my uh my pneumonia, seniors enhanced pneumonia shot last Monday, and I'm going to be getting a pneumonia shot this coming Monday. Um, you know, I think it's really important. I'm trying to, as best as I can, not make myself prone to infection. Like when I go out like this, I keep a distance. If I have coffee with somebody, we're respectful. We stay away. I wear my mask like all the time whenever I need to like in inside circumstances for sure and sometimes when there's a little bit of congregation outside I'll put on the mask you know just talk a little louder big downside of the mask is you can't drink coffee or eat through it <laughs> anyway on a little levity like that I'm just gonna let you all go it's a little bit of a shorter uh, musical chat with Danny but uh, uh, it's always good to connect this way and I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing this music that uh, I'm involved in right now with you guys and not not changing the world you know we're we're doing the old tunes It'd be nice if it was original but you know it's kind of a neat thing it's kind of a neat thing to revisit and I think that those who haven't heard the songs yeah maybe it'll get them interested in listening back to a, the golden era of melodic pop Okay, well, so I'm just going to um, sign off for now. Uh, Danny's Musical Chats. We'll see you the next time. Take care of yourselves. Well, I'm back one more time. It's been a bit of a bit of a time in between uh, Musical Chats with Danny. A awful lot has happened, as we all know. The uh, obvious topic would be the, uh, the um, events that uh, came after the the January 6th nightmare in uh, Washington, D.C., the uh, lead-up to and then the impeachment trial of Donald Trump, which, uh, you know, on the onset, pretty much everybody knew he was going to get off. He was going to not be guilty just because of these, you know, the Republican Party, basically. Um, you know, that was a given. But I thought it was uh, 
really interesting to see. It was actually quite shocking, as I'm sure it was for you or anybody who saw it, to see the uh, the graphic nature of that footage um, in real time, seeing what actually went on on that that day. And some of the revelations that came out of that that were even more shocking than I, I would have thought. Um, the violence, and the terror, the and the blatant, just absolute no responsibility factor on on uh, Trump's side. He he, as far as he was concerned, everything was good. This is what should happen. Him and his cohorts, his hardcore cohorts. I don't think that the whole Republican Party could possibly get behind it. Even Mitch McConnell, who is like, you know, basically, you know, just a political creature, you know, he even, at the end of it, he even at the end of it, he sounded like he was a Democrat, but he voted for acquittal. But I guess the whole point behind the thing is, is that there was no way they were going to, to give and let the Democrats win this one. And why and how, I mean, there's people that are just nut bars in there that, you know, literally just separate reality types. But there's also ones that weren't like that, that we're looking, I think, at, well, you know, purely their own end in, in the game, you know, not losing power. There's that. But there's also, I think, there's a certain amount of a, of a consciousness around what would happen if, in fact, he was found guilty with with his base, with those people who did invade in the insurrection. What would the ramifications or the, the what would be the, the possible result, you know, in terms of civil unrest? I mean, as it is, they're gloating over the fact that he, uh, he didn't get convicted, which kind of makes them inert to a certain extent, at least for a little while. You know, the subsequent civil suits that are going to be, you know, something Trump is going to have to deal with, plus his multitude of lawsuits that had existed prior to that debacle, um, his tax issues, etc., etc. He has a pile of stuff that's going to hit him like a rock now that he's a private citizen. Uh, I don't think he is flinching in the least. I think he is so arrogant and so sociopathic that for him, he's just, no, you know, make America great again. Just watch what's going to happen. In his mind, he's still the king, the emperor. And a lot of people believe that. And that's a big, big, big problem in America. Um, the Republican Party is probably going to split, you know, sort of the old hardcore Reagan types. or uh, They want to diso disassociate themselves from Trump. But a lot of them. It's Trump's party, as they say, quote-unquote. It's still Trump's party. So regardless whether or not he's the head of the, the country and the president, um, regardless of the fact that the acknowledgement and the bald-faced obviousness of what he did for a very, very, very long time, pretty much through his whole presidency and prior, and then just you know post-losing the election, and the big lie, you know, oh man, it's just so pathetic. The, you know, the 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 election being stolen. 
you know, he, I, I just honestly think he's just going to continue. You know, the only hope there can be is that all of those legal things that are going to hit him will somehow slow him down. You know, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. He certainly has enough followers that aren't being weighed down by those legal things who can be his minions to do his, his will. Um, I mean, the, the mindset of, of Donald Trump is, is truly frightening, as is the mindset of, you know, some of his other guys. The guy I find interesting in the whole thing is Pence. You know, Pence was his vice president. He was the guy next to him. You know, he, uh, sort of stoic and kind of a weirdo. You know, I never liked Pence. I still don't. But he turned on Pence. Pence could have died that day. He could have been hung or beaten to death or shot or something like that. I mean, and, you know, Trump just basically threw him under the bus, as everyone knows. Now, where is Pence now in this whole thing? He's a Republican. He's a heavy-duty guy. Where does he stand with in the the strata of the Republican Party. Now that, you know, His Highness has thrown him under the bus and um, everything that happened, you know, I'm just curious. I mean, we haven't heard anything from Pence, have we? Interesting. Anyway, you know, I mean, there's it's a very, very complex situation. And people are saying, you know, that the decision, you know, people voted. I mean, the ones that stepped up and voted, you know, their conscience and along the reality within the Republican Party, are getting majorly kicked, and they're gonna they're gonna really suffer within the Republican Party. Who knows if they'll even exist as political entities? You know, it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen, but not good on them. Now, all of the rest of them who voted to acquit Donald Trump, you know, for what he definitely did. Even Mitch McConnell admits it. Um. You know, how many of them are going to sort of pull ranks and be with Trump from this point forward? You know, who true believers want to want to be right in there like stink with that 74 million people who voted for him. And, you know, I mean, I don't say that they're all as crazy as those people on January 6th, but there's a hell of a lot of them enough that they care not to piss them off a lot. In some places, it's like incredibly dense with those people, the Q people, you know, the MAGA people, you know, the the Kool-Aid drinkers. It's frightening. It's frightening because America has, has shown, you know, exactly the reality of their fractured nature, which was predictable, as I said earlier, and, as, and, and I'm not the only one. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just a listener to all this stuff. I don't pretend to be politically astute or anything like that. I'm just another peasant in this whole thing. But listening to it, you know, you do tend to learn a few things and have conversations with people that know more than you or have a different viewpoint. You can learn, and, you know, it's an ongoing process. Um, but it's horrifying. It's horrifying because we don't really know, you know, is this guy going to get all mired up and everybody going to lose interest in him? And I think the things he stands for and the things he inflamed are not going to go away. If Trump dropped dead, like right now, it wouldn't really matter. You know, 
just like it wouldn't really matter, like he said, if he shot somebody in, in you know, downtown New York, whatever he said. He'd still get away with it. You know, these are enduring, deep, painfully horrible things in America. Racism, xenophobia, you know, you name it. There's just so much stuff there that is just so rancid. And it's not going away. I mean, the reason that Trump is was is popular and how he got into a position of power is because he resonated with those folks. He empowered them to come out underneath their rocks, if they even were. A lot of them were kind of visible. Maybe not so much in the 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 big picture. However, and the, the development of Q I find to be quite interesting because there's some serious nut bars in there. Uh, I mean, seriously crazy drinking blood, pedophilia rings, just insanity. Um, you know, I mean, it goes on. I mean, these people are like a large force. And they're not just in America. I mean, unfortunately, we're Canadian. I'm a Canadian, and I'm doing my, my little... Uh, thing I do here, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, um, my podcast, you know, from Canada, from Vancouver, and from the point of view of a Canadian looking at these things, who, you know, watches the media like everybody else. So, you know, the media, you know, the media is the media, you know, you have to be, you have to take things with a grain of salt to, to an extent. But when things are like blatant, like that footage, I mean, that is just bloody blatant. And, it, you know, it's not a matter of spin. Uh, you know, the guy who's a lawyer for, uh, for uh, Trump, the head guy, he was going off about the, today I watched him on an interview, going off against the media and how, you know, they were just totally corrupt and, you know, they twisted things, etc. You know, there's no doubt that the media has agenda and they're trying to sell time, etc. It's, 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 it's America, for Christ's sake. It's capitalism. You know, what do you expect? But there's certain things that you can't deny, and they deny them. That's the concept of fake news. You know, it's just like, how do you counter that kind of irrationality? You know, you can't. I mean, you can say whatever you want to say to these people that are like that. They just don't accept it. They are entrenched. You know, they are not listening. They have drank the Kool-Aid. And in some cases, it's pretty bloody scary. You know, you got your whew, extreme right terrorism type people. I mean, these people are for real. We saw it on January 6th. We saw it. And it has not gone away. That thing came and went. But that is just one incident. Incidents. I don't know, man, uh, or man, woman, whoever's out there. <laughs> I'm an old hippie. I call everybody man. Anyway, um, I'm just sort of like sitting back here on a Sunday night on Valentine's Day, uh, which, uh, you know, whatever, and thinking about this stuff and thinking I got to get out of my apartment pretty soon. Because this is like eating me alive, thinking about it. I try not to dwell on it. Like we all, I think we all get overwhelmed by, well, it's an obvious thing. We all get overwhelmed by 
the situation is really, really horrific. And we're in the middle of COVID. I mean, I mean, but, you know, Biden is, is doing the right thing. He's he's going after trying to make that thing get taken care of better. But you got a you got a fractured states, a fractured the they call it the United States of America, but it's the fractured states of America. The individual states down there are radically different, literally, in the way that they look at things and the way that they're prepared to deal with this pandemic. You know, I would hope that Biden can somehow make it a more unified effort, which is what, you know, that's the goal. But I look at that country and I, you know, Biden's great, you know, is a hell of a lot better than that last idiot, like way a lot better. And, and Kamala Harris, I mean, she's one smart lady and they've got a really good team of people. But they're up against the Republicans and that mindset that is just, you know, it's it's frightening. You know, I don't say the Democrats are great. They've got their problems and they're not far from perfect. However, having said that, they're probably the only hope for America at this point, and I don't think there's a whole lot of hope. But, you know, you hope and pray that somehow things will turn themselves around. But, you know, as they say, don't hold your breath. And... Uh, on that beautiful note, I think I'm going to go and take a walk outside in the cold, <laughs> the February cold in Vancouver. Nothing compared to the rest of the country, but cold enough for me for this old Winnipeg boy. Uh, my blood has gotten thin from living on the coast, so I'm going to bundle up. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to try to just sort of distance myself from all of these things. I hope I haven't depressed you too much. You, I probably have. But I bet you there's a lot of the things I just said that you've been thinking. At least some of them. So until next time, Danny's Musical Chats, which have nothing to do with music this week, uh, is signing off, and I'll see you the next time around. You take care of yourselves. Well, I have returned one more time. It's been going on since September, if you can believe that. September the 5th, I believe, is when I started doing this little uh, enterprise of uh, doing low-level uh, <laughs> podcasts using my cell phone. No microphone, nothing but cell phone and my voice. And uh, anyway, it's low-tech, but it's working, and it's been an interesting outlet for me. Hopefully uh, informative and you know entertaining, whatever. To any of you guys out there listening, I hope so anyway. So tonight, here I am sitting in my apartment. Hey, big, big surprise. Do a lot of that. Um, I just thought, well, I'm just going to spout off a little bit here. Talk a little bit about what I see is going on right now. Well, obviously, it's a lot of optimism in the air because of vaccines. And uh, despite the fact that it's been pretty slow happening in Canada in terms of availability and all that, the rollout, as they call it, um, you know, people are looking at it as, you know, it's a hopeful thing, right? Which I think is fair. You know, it's um, hopefully it's going to work. Um, there'll be enough people that'll take it. It's the main thing. Uh, I have faith. I've had my first Moderna shot jab or whatever you call it and uh 
I had some some side effect. I didn't have any pain in my arm or anything, but I uh, I was quite fatigued. I mean, more than tired. I was quite fatigued for a few days. Uh, the first day I slept for like I think five hours after dinner. I was like, what was that all about? Well, I guess that's normal, you know. Um, whoever you are, you're going to react you know, the way you react. And it certainly just comes and goes. It's nothing that you have to sweat about. You know, a lot of people are very nervous about getting the shot. Um, you know, I think in some cases, you know, it's unless they have some real medical reason to be worried about it, it's just it's unfortunate that they're feeling that way because it's probably not that rational because of the uh, very, very, very low incidence of uh, the blood clot, for instance. I mean, if you get COVID, blood clots are a big thing, and people die from COVID all the time, quite a lot, and more so and more so. Um, you know, if you look at what's happening in this world, which is sometimes not such a great idea, but, you know, it's kind of hard to ignore places like India and Brazil, and other places, you know, where a lot of people are dying. Pardon me for yawning here. This goes with the sort of the ennui of just sitting around a lot, I guess. I'm not even really that tired. But yeah, getting back to that point, you know, I mean, you look at these huge numbers of people and over, you know, overwhelmed medical systems. I mean, we you can look within Canada. You can look what what's happening now in, in Alberta and Ontario. And, you know, Ontario uh, is really in deep, you know, really in deep. Um, we're not doing great here in B.C. either, frankly. Um, not good at all. And Alberta, surprisingly enough, they're clamping down. I mean, it remains to be seen how people react to that. I think that's a big thing. In Alberta, there's been some really blatant you know, anti-vax um, craziness that's been going on sort of goes with the territory in Alberta, I think. But it's really been bad and blatant uh, disregard for the, uh, you know, the um, protocols and the things that they're putting forward. You know, uh, their premier is, is coming down hard. He's saying, you know, if you screw up, you're going to get nailed and, you know, you're going to get a major fine, right? Uh, you know, that's all fine and dandy. We try collecting, you know. You got a lot of people that are real belligerent in this situation, and uh, I just pray that they can somehow—I don't know—I don't know what to think anymore as far as that stuff goes. I mean, you can't change people. You know, they say there's an old saying that uh, locks keep uh, honest people out. Well, I think laws are just generally like that. You know, I mean, people that are going to be—you know just thumb in their noses or in denial or just whatever crazy shit that they come back with, they're going to do it. You know, they may get some heavy consequences. They may get huge fines. Um, you got to hope that has an impact on, in general, that people maybe think twice about doing this crazy shit. But, not hold my breath, um, we have to just do what we can do, um, maintain our vigilance, I think the biggest problem is losing vigilance. I mean, if you look at India, that's exactly what happened. They got, you know, it looked like everything was good. I mean, um, I mean, relatively speaking, they had it under control. It really went down, and then vigilance went out of the way, and boom, it's the worst place in the world. 
it's the worst. You know, there's some pretty bad ones out there, but it's it's right up there. America still, for all of their, you know, success in getting people vaccinated and whatever else, they're still not, you know, it's, I think it's a little early to be super, super optimistic. I know they keep saying, you know, that, you know, you know, July 4th and all this stuff. And it's, I just think that's, what do I know? I'm not, I don't know anything. I, but my gut level feeling is that that's quite unrealistic. I think that, uh, you know, I mean, in BC here, they've canceled all, all of the PNE and the folk festival and you name it, you know, the bar down the beach and the, you know, the cell, you know, the, the big fireworks, everything, you know, that's for the summer. Right. And, you know, how is that consistent with, you know, that everything is going to be sort of cool and everybody's going to be vaccinated and, Da, da 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 and life is wonderful for the summer which is some of the things i'm hearing uh, it's just not realistic you know uh, my fear is exactly what we've we've had over and over and over again of you know this false sense of security and uh you know especially now that we've got the variants starting to happen you know that are much more transmissible, uh, much more serious in, in certain cases in terms of uh, mortality and uh, you know hospitalization, etc. You know we, we can't just be thinking everything is good, but I unfortunately I think that you know people hear what they want to hear, and, and you know if they if they get a whiff of, of hope, which is not a bad idea to be hopeful, but it's not a good idea to be stupid, or cocky, maybe that's the word thinking that you're, yeah, it's all good. You know, we're, we're going to just cruise with this now. Um, you know, we're, we're doing some, or we, I mean, our, the government of BC is doing some good things right now, you know, to uh, the three different zones and da-da-da-da-da. Um, you just got to hope people are compliant and you got to hope that the numbers come down. Right now, they're not. You know, it's supposed to go to the end of the May long weekend after the May long weekend. It's supposed to, you know, this thing, this circuit breaker thing they talk about can be lifted, you know, which I don't think is going to happen. I mean, I sure hope it doesn't happen. If, if the numbers aren't down, if that, everything magically changes, great, you know, maybe, maybe lighten up a bit. But, oh, sorry about that noise. I forgot to turn off my, <laughs> my big podcast error using a cell phone, the notification bing. Anyway, aside from that, you know, we're looking at a situation that's, you know, it's damn serious. And, you know, um, summertime is coming. Everybody wants to have a good time. Everybody wants to get out there and go to the beach and do all this stuff. And if you look at what happened last summer, there was blatant disregard for the rules. How is it going to be different this year with all of the COVID fatigue that's happened since then? I mean, people are fried. I know I am. You know, you don't want to assume that people are, are, are going to be as vigilant even as they were last year. I mean, you think back to the way it was last year when it first hit, like in March, when it was declared a pandemic and the city of Vancouver, you know, clamped down and the streets were empty. People were all hunkered down. It was like panic time. It was like, it was really something, you know. You add over a year to that and, and all of the ups and downs and all of the issues and the financial losses and the, and the deaths and the uh, just fatigue with 
boredom and depression and, you know, inactivity, you name it, all these things, you know, believe me, I'm one of them, <laughs> you know. I'm not saying I'm Mr. Observer or Objective or anything. I, I'm in the middle of it like everybody else. You know, my, my ideas and my attitudes towards it and my opinions or whatever they are. But we are all, you know, uh, suffering, you know, on one level or another. Some people more than others. I mean, some people are literally suffering. They're in ICU. I mean, that's terrible. Or their families are suffering or the actual COVID thing, you know, the, the actual disease and the, and that is it's horrific, but there's all of the other people that are suffering for other reasons that are related to COVID, you know, um, lack of employment, um, you know, economic ruin, um, um, boredom, depression, you know, all of those things, the you know, mental health issues and Physical health, too. I mean, we're all putting on, well, pretty much everybody's putting on weight, which isn't great, particularly in my case. I mean, God, I'm already fat, so all I need is more. But guess what? I've put on a good chunk since the last year or so. That's not healthy, right? As a matter of fact, it's one of the things that works against you if you get COVID is obesity or overweight. Um, I was already in that category anyway, but, you know, doesn't help to, to gain weight and people are you know having um, you know health issues that aren't COVID but they're related to COVID you know it's stress uh, people are drinking more you know there's more ODs happening with drugs um, it's all connected so geez it's all just such wonderful news I'm talking about eh <laughs> Mr. Joy well you know, what can I say? You know, this is our reality, and uh, it's what I'm thinking about tonight. I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping against hope that, you know, that uh, this thing, I don't know, turns around in the next year or so. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I don't really know. You know, they're talking about opening up in New York, and like, what? You know, I don't know. What do I know? You know, but... I fear complacency more than anything else because I think that's the thing that's going to take us down more than anything else is being complacent and cocky about the whole situation. Um, and we'd all like to, be, we all want to be hopeful. We're all, you know, the people that are into it, that are getting the jab and they're paying attention to the, the rules. I mean, it's like, it's not like we're a minority. We're a majority, I think, I believe, from what I understand, that relatively speaking, the average people are toeing the line. But there's a significant number, as I keep saying over and over again, who really aren't, for whatever reasons. They're, you know, wacko Q-types, or they're, who knows? They're people that really aren't doing it. And those people are the problem, you know? Because the more you have of people not behaving correctly, not getting vaccinated, the more this virus just keeps spreading. Um... And it is spreading, and there are new variants. So my message to everybody out there in La La Land, <laughs> you know, um, anybody who's listening, you know, I mean, I don't know what you think. I mean, I, I don't hear anything from you guys. It's just a one-way deal with me talking into my cell phone, you guys listening. But yeah, I don't know what you think, or if you agree or you disagree, but 
I'm just putting it out, you know, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, um, be careful, you know, don't do stupid stuff, you know, stay close to home, do as much as you can to keep yourself and, the, and, and the, those close to you and those you don't even know, because that's how it spreads, just to keep everybody, you know, COVID free, if possible, you know, I mean, there's no guarantees out there, but all you can do is behave as best as you can. And I'd encourage you to do that very much. You know, I hope I can I can survive this storm, you know, one way or the other. Um, I'm, I'm having a hard time with it. And, you know, I think that I'm not the only one. So being not the only one, I'm wishing you all the very best to stay safe, stay healthy. Stay aware. Don't become complacent. So we'll talk the next time around. This is uh, Danny's non-musical chats today. And there's that bing again. That's my cue to end this little podcast. You guys take care of yourselves. And till the next time, signing off. Bye-bye. Well, I've returned yet more one more time. <laughs> Yes, I keep saying this every time I do it. And it's been doing this since September the 5th, I think it is. A uh, long time. It was just, the pandemic was reasonably a new thing then. Now it's well over, well, it's over a year now. And uh, it's amazing how time goes by and so many things happen. American election, all the craziness that happened in January. Uh, the craziness that continues. Um, all of the changes in the music, um, entertainment business that have resulted from the pandemic have been a thing that, of course, has been a, in the forefront for myself personally um, because of my friends, mainly because I'm not really that active. I hadn't been before the uh, pandemic. I'd been fairly geared back, but a lot of my friends really impacted heavily. And a lot of them coping really well. I mean, actually, I have to say, I'm I'm impressed with uh, what some of the folks have done, like uh, you know Michael Shaw, you know with his uh, uh, online uh, you know uh, streaming musical thing, which he did for quite some time, um, quite early in the pandemic, he took that on from his studio, and he had various different Vancouver musicians and singers uh, doing live stream for uh, you know basically people would play, would tip via you know um, direct transfer money, whatever. And that was very supportive of the community. I really applaud Michael for doing that. Um, he's doing it again. He relocated. He got out of Vancouver <laughs> and he moved over to the island, to Parksville, and he's reset himself up, reset himself up with his studio and, and that. And he's, uh, he's doing a similar thing over there with, with musicians from the island or from that area who can make it to his studio and do... The, the live stream uh, this type of thing and you know there's so many people that are doing uh, it on varying levels of professionalism I mean Michael's thing is very professional you know uh, other people it's maybe not so high production value but the idea of actually performing and sharing your music and hopefully getting some support from people financially is kind of the only game in town at this point um, there's very, very little, um, 
well, nothing right now presently in Vancouver for live music, unless it's just sort of random stuff on, on a beach or something like that, which is, you know, it's not like gigs, <coughs> not like it used to be, you know, you know, what can I say? Yawning. Why the reason I'm yawning is because I woke up, I woke up, it's the middle of the night for crying out loud, it's three o'clock in the morning. And uh, I fell asleep early and woke up and, oh, uh, wow, what am I going to do with my time now? A COVID thing. What am I going to do with my time now? So this little thing that I'm doing right now, uh, speaking to you via my little podcast, is one of the things that I've been doing since September 5th to do something, right? Um you kind of have to look for things to do because the things you did before maybe aren't possible, right? Um, you know, music being one of them, but everyone has got a different thing. Not everybody listening to this is a musician. So in fact, probably very few are actually career musicians. Maybe some people love music, and that's why they're hooked in to musical chats with Danny, <laughs> who often doesn't speak about music. He talks about other things. That's me. Um, but people have all got to find ways to, you know, occupy themselves and it's really challenging. Um, you know, like I say, I've been doing this thing, I've been doing this thing since September and it's been, it's been interesting. It's been a real sort of, um, relatively cathartic thing for me, um, to be able to speak, you know, just by myself, into the air, into my cell phone. By the way, I don't. I have very low production values, as you probably have figured out if you've been watching, listening to me. Uh, I don't have a microphone. I just have a cell phone, and uh, it's 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 stripped down. But I I discovered this thing as an app that I could do this thing on uh, Anchor. It's called. And I thought, well, you know, people have always been bugging me. For, well, not always, but for a very long time have been saying, Dan, you know, you should you should do something like, you know, like a podcast or, you know, this. This is before COVID, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. I don't want to buy a mic. I don't want to do all this stuff. You know, I'm technically not the greatest mind for these things. And I guess the motivation just wasn't there and I couldn't see the focus for it. But. I think a combination of things, the, um, well, like I say, the need to do something and stumbling across this app, really, I just stumbled across it. I thought, well, what, hey, why not? Give it a try, right? You know, I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I'll call it Musical Chats with Danny because, um, well, I've been attempting to write, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, right about my life in music right and it's uh it's been a kind of a start and stop mostly stop sort of thing but the podcast thing i'm doing here is actually interesting because it's it's um it kind of is the same thing only it's not written down it's just going into the air and it's not as organized as a book would have to be it's more spontaneous more off the top and it's been really, really good for me. It's given me something to do, as I say. Um, the other thing that I've been doing is um, for, you know, it just seemed to happen in, in the COVID times. I reconnected with a couple of my old friends that I played with back in my early days in Winnipeg. 
my friend Dana Honey is multi-instrumentalist, great singer, um, really knows how to record and mix, etc. Um, he was the bass player in my first band in 66 to 68 and lead singer, one of the two lead singers. Uh, he's a great keyboard player. He had a career, has had a career, continues to, I guess. How many of us actually could say we have a career now? <laughs> well, especially as old ducks, right? Guys who were in bands in 66 to 68. Guess how old we are. Yeah, we're old. But does it mean we can't play and sing anymore? Not on your life. We still got it. Well, not all of us. You know, but Dana certainly does, I'll tell you that. I am so impressed with Dana. He's, uh, he's really something special. You know, he's, uh, I'm honored that he, you know, that I'm, well, you know, we're, we're old friends and all that, but I really do feel honored to make music with Dana Honey. Um, you know, uh, we've been doing all of these covers with another guy by the name of Randy Otto, and Randy was the keyboard player in our first band. He's also an incredibly talented guy. He took a different path from, from Dana or myself in that uh, Dana and myself, we both had lifetime careers as performing musicians, performing and recording. Uh, whereas Randy, you know, he, he went the path of a very, very good keyboard player, always was. Um, but he went the path of having a, a, a real sort of non-musical career. Um, he, um, his dad had an uh, auto uh, business that he inherited and went with and has continued to, just retired in the last few years. But he never quit playing. He, he always played. He's always a musician, but he had a different life. So here we are in 2021. We started in 2020. Like, I guess we started recording last, I guess it was November, November 220. And um, we've been recording all these classic tunes from our youth. <laughs> a lot of them we didn't play in the band. I mean, they're tunes we just love, you know, um, and we've been recording them, even though uh, Dana's in, in Kamloops, I'm in Vancouver, and uh, Randy's in Victoria. Uh, we've managed to, through the magic of, you know, the internet, <laughs> cell phone um, file sharing, um, record individual parts. And Dana, with, with my, you know, input as far as mixing and editing and stuff like that, has assembled them in his little home studio in Kamloops. Um, you know, it's been a really great thing because Dan is very skilled at this and he's very organized and we communicate well. Primarily, it's between the two of us and Randy makes additions. He is, um, he's involved, of course, but he's he also has a life. <laughs> he has a son, actually. Uh, who He has two sons, both of which are quite musical. One of which, his son Axel, has played bass on uh, numerous of our tunes, uh, being coached by Dana. But, you know, he's actually quite a good bass player. Uh, his other son, I can't remember his name right now, is a great, great singer. So there's an awful lot of musical genes in that family, and Randy is really talented. So I'm working with two really talented guys who are old, old friends, and we're doing great tunes. So it's giving me some kind of focus and purpose uh there's no money in it you know we're not maybe we should have <laughs> maybe we maybe we well randy doesn't need the money he's got dough but me and dana could use the money 
Um, we haven't monetized this thing primarily because of probably worrying. I don't know. We just part of it for me is like, you know, we could get in trouble because we're doing other people's music. Uh, I don't know how that would work in terms of getting paid for that, you know, having people make donations, you know, but we haven't done it. You know, having said that we started November and now it's we're into May and we've done, we've completed third, no, 13, 14, 15 tunes, something like that, of which, um, uh, 13 of them have had videos that have been added on by my old friend Mick Delavie, who is a very old musical friend, also a multi-instrumentalist, beyond talented guy. Uh, he, he was the longest-running sideman for Randy Bachman, longer than any of the guys in the guest here or anything, going right back into the 90s, um, late 90s. Um, good friend of mine, he came to... When he saw what I was doing... Uh, well, we're friends, and we've done other musical sort of things where he's helped me out. But when he saw what I was doing with Dana and, and Randy, uh, he thought, wow, this is cool. So what he's been doing is he's making, he's been producing videos, which he's very good at, uh, to go along with our audio of our tunes, uh, using old footage from shows like Shindig and Hullabaloo and American Bandstand and, you know, things like that. Uh, and syncing them up with our music and putting them together and, and then putting them up with a little bit of creative, you know, production and, and then putting them up on um, on YouTube. And it's been really neat. So, you know, we've been able to share all of these things through Facebook primarily um, and, and YouTube. You know, it's the Facebook YouTube thing. And, you know, people are loving it. It's, it's especially people in, you know, our generation, you know, the old farts from the 60s, it really fires the old memory banks. And it's, the musical quality is really high, I have to say. I'm proud of being involved in something that sounds this good greatly because of, uh, I say, I, I give the big kudos to Dana Honey. Uh, I play good and sing as good as I can and all that. But um, And I've got a really good ear for mix and for editing. And Dana appreciates that. You know, we have a good uh, synergy between the two of us, I find. And uh, so the input that I have, you know, I, I feel is respected. And I listen to what he has to say, too. He has helped me a lot with vocals and stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm i definitely in, <laughs> in awe of his singing, always have been. And I've always been a kind of a singer in bands and sing harmonies and whatever. But And I've worked with some of the very best. I mean, and Dana's one of them. You know, uh, I don't think he even realizes how good he is. <laughs> but uh, he's coached me vocally through some of the tunes where we've done duets, like we did uh, some Peter and Gordon, some uh, um, Chad and Jeremy. Um, what other things that we do as a duet? Uh, in any case, some harmony tunes and also background singing I do. But he's coached me to to do better right because he's a really he's a very meticulous guy and I am too but his skill level is higher than mine in vocals and he uh he's helped me a lot and I always be really really thankful that you know he's uh he's included me in in this thing in in that you know uh you know even sometimes I don't have a an awful lot going on in a tune sometimes more than others I always learn something from every one of the tunes we do 
And um, so that's how I've been keeping occupied. And I'm running out of time on my podcast here, and I hope that uh, I haven't bored you to death with all this. But I guess my bottom line is saying, try to find something that keeps you occupied and keeps you sane through all of this stuff. Um, I can't say I'm always successful in that area. I mean, it's it's a tough time. But all I can say is thank God for music. And I'll see you the next time. Signing off here, Danny's Musical Chats.